Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, gang, we're glad you're back. It's Mike and Mark with you. Well, our guest today was one of the best hitting outfielders in baseball, a true stud. Matt Holliday hit nearly 300 over his 15 year career, more than 300 homers, had more than 2,000 hits. And more than 1,200 RBIs. And Mark, you got to know him during his rookie year in Colorado. Interesting that Matt Holliday came up. Uh, This was a born athlete. He was a former football player in high school. He was set to go to Oklahoma State University as a football player, signed with the Rockies. And he came up, Mike, and really evolved as a player. Um, It wasn't about hitting in Colorado. It was about how he could get better and better. And he became a perennial all-star and an incredible person and a great family man. Well, Matt, of all the accomplishments in your 15-year career, seven all-star teams, Silver Slugger Awards, World Series title, batting title. What's interesting to us is that it's a singular pinch hit home run in September of 2016, your last year as a Cardinal, that you've said is the most meaningful moment of your career. Why is that? Well, I think the, the, the culmination of my time in St. Louis um, with everything from a world championship uh, to many playoff appearances and, and kind of the, I, I would say that the relationship with the community and the ovation that I received and kind of the um, emotion uh, from my teammates, um, from the, the crowd, from the manager, um, just I don't know. I, I guess it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like a it felt like almost a surreal, like a divine moment that kind of summed up my time in St. Louis. And, and really, um, you know, I went on to play for the Yankees and, and, and the, you know, the Rockies for a little bit. But it was kind of like a, a bookend to, you know, the majority of my career in St. Louis. Um, that, and I ended up hitting the next day. So it wasn't really my last at bat with the Cardinals, but it felt like kind of a moment uh, that God had given me. Uh, to to kind of wrap up my time in St. Louis um, that, you know, was, was really unlikely. You know, I, I, had, I, was, I had a broken thumb, um, was really not even able to even swing leading. I tried to come back, but it was so painful to try to hit uh, that I'd really not prepared much for that at bat at all outside of Mike basically saying, hey, you're, you're going to hit in this inning and, and go get ready. And basically I was like, whoa, you know, we talked about that potentially happening uh, I guess, but when it, when it happened, as I went down to the cage to sort of try to at least get to where I maybe wouldn't embarrass myself in the box, um, and you, you're taking these swings that, that you know, and kind of gingerly working my way into trying to get where I could go out and compete in a major league at bat, um, really, I was kind of, you know, get you get into the box and, and, you, and you, the crowd and, and the emotions of um, you know, they, I think they even put it on the board, you know, thank you. And just kind of, it was this, this moment that, that was going to be my last moment as a Cardinal and, and in Bush stadium. And then, you know, as, as I'm tearing up and, and my, you know, my teammates are on the front step, I look over and Clint Hurdle and the entire pirates uh, team is clapping. And, and it was just kind of one of those things where I never really looked at myself as, as a big deal. And I just felt like at that moment, the appreciation from both, uh, the other team and our fans and, and my teammates uh, was overwhelming emotionally. And, and as I, you know, tears in my eyes, I'm trying to take it at bat. And then, you know, you step in the box and, and you think that, you know, you've been there so many times that it'll, you can get it kind of dialed into to something normal. And, you know, I'm down O2 immediately. And I'm thinking, man, this, I can't, I can't punch out. I can't go out like this. Like I, I've got at least, um, you know, do something. Uh, and, and, you know, a guy throws me a breaking ball and, and I hit it. And, and when I hit it, I was thinking, gosh, just maybe a double would be great. It just, you know, just something, a, a hit would be awesome. And, uh, you know, as he kind of goes back and, and you watch and it goes over the fence, uh, I remember just kind of trying to enjoy the moment and rounding the bases and, and taking it all in and um, making sure that I remembered what that felt like. And, and as, as I, you know, the tears are in my eyes and, and you're kind of it almost felt like, you know, just surreal moment and, and coming around third and seeing uh, your teammates waiting for you. And then Adam and Yachty are in the dugout and Mike, and it just, it was just a really cool moment. And it was just something that um, it just happened sort of a, a great ending to my time in a, in a great place. 
Um, as Mark knows, playing in St. Louis and the fans and the atmosphere and, and the love of baseball and the love of the Cardinals and the history of the, of the organization is, is a very special place. So um, I would say that, that it's, I've done a lot of cool things. Thank, thankfully, I've been blessed to, to play in a lot of amazing games and, and be a part of a lot of cool things. But that moment from a, an emotional standpoint and a connection to a city and all the, the things that we got to be a part of with our, our Homers for Health situation that we were able to start and kind of the just really a, a cool ending to a great time in, in our lives. Matty, it's seven and a half years in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform. Um, it, it's special to put that uniform on. It's special to put any major league uniform on, but the history really allows you to get in deep with the St. Louis Cardinals. This moment for you uh, and knowing you, especially when we first, when you first came up with the Colorado Rockies, um, you're an emotional guy. And why I, I say that is that sometimes I think fans uh, get a perspective of uh, this guy's almost robotic. Uh, he's so good at his craft. He's, he's really um, good at, at being an all-star caliber player, but you're an emotional guy. And I like saying that because um, it leads into this situation that you were in with this special home run. There's elements to this that I want to break down. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it uh, because you had to meet with John Mosellac, the GM of the St. Louis Cardinals. And he gave you news that really is not uh, great to find out is they're not picking up your option. Um, they're going to let you go and be, become a free agent. If you could bring us into that meeting and what that was like um, emotionally for you and how it was presented. Yeah. So, um, you know, as that season kind of, it kind of got away uh, from me with the broken thumb. I, I, I had a pretty good season. I had a good first half, you know, power wise, um, I felt like if I could, if I could sustain those numbers that I would be, it would be a good, probably it would be a good bet for them to bring me back at the, at the option number. Um, and then, you know, I, I hit a little bit of a skid and then I broke my thumb and it cost me, you know, it's, for me, it's, it was weird because, you know, at seven weeks of, of the last seven weeks that had I hit five or six more homers and ended up with 26 or 27 homers, uh, would it have been a different story? And, and who knows, obviously you can't, can't, can't do that. Um, but so basically what happened was, is, is as we rolled into the last weekend uh, of, of the home of our home season, um, I, I kind of felt like that that might be if potentially my last games in St. Louis and more for me being hurt and, and not really expecting to play, I approached Mo about, you know, if, if this was it, they had already made the decision that, that, you know, they were going to move on from me the next year, I would like the opportunity to thank and, and give my appreciation to the clubhouse guys, uh, the chefs, uh, the people that work every day outside the clubhouse for security that you see every day that immediately when that season ends, you may never see them in person again. And, and, you know, you want that interaction where you can say, Hey, thank you for all those years. And, and just, know my appreciation for you, Ernie and Walshie and, mm -hmm. and all those guys that, that did all those things for you for seven and a half years that were part of your kids growing up and you're, you know, Hey, my, you know, Jackson forgot his hat. Can you get him another hat? And, you know, of course, Ernie and Walshie here, here's hats, yeah. you know, just the appreciation you have for those people. Um, I wanted the opportunity to thank them in person and not over the phone. And so basically that was my angle was like, Hey Mo, if you know already, let me know. Um, cause I want, I want to be able to, to, to talk and thank and coaches and, and give my appreciation to them. And, um, so yeah, candidly, he, he just basically said, you know, uh, I wouldn't rule anything out, but you know, at this time looking at it, I, I think it would be good for you to go ahead and thank those people. And we'd like to get you a moment on the field. Um, you know, if possible, we were still, I think in the playoff hunt at, at that point. So I was obviously like, look, not at the expense of any important at bat, uh, do, do I need this moment with, with on, on the field? I just want the chance to, to, to really show my gratitude uh, to the people. And so when he said, you know, basically it always is a punch in the gut, right? You always, yep. as a player, as an athlete, want him to say, Oh no, we're bringing you back on, on that option. And, you know, we're going to keep you for another year. But I had kind of caught the sense that, you know, that that probably was what was going to happen. And, and so when I asked him, I sort of in the back of my mind knew what the answer was. But at the same time, like, like you said, you're, you're always hopeful that, that maybe um, you will get another year there. And so 
that it was pretty, you know, pretty cut and dry. Uh, he was pretty blunt and honest with it, which I appreciated and, and said, you know, go ahead and say your thank yous. And so um, that started just kind of the ball of, of that next two days, uh, me figuring out what kind of statement I wanted to release uh, to the fans and, 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 you know, I, you know, bought something for all the, the people in the clubhouse and the coaches and, and just kind of showing my gratitude to those people so that I didn't have to make a weird phone call of, Hey, thanks for all those years, kind of an impersonal thank you. So that was kind of the, the direction behind it and, and my goal. And then, you know, the, the playing moment really was Mike Matheny's idea and his, his urging and pushing to make happen. He wanted that to happen. And, and, you know, when, when that moment became available of that at bat leading off that inning and in a game that was kind of out of hand, um, that, that's really kind of how that moment happened. Interesting that you you mentioned because I, I think listeners need to understand that uh, not only are you playing in a uniform, um, the important people are the clubhouse people, the cooks, the chefs, the coaches, um, even down to the security guards that you mentioned. Because I remember I got traded in 97 from St. Louis and that's what I did. I went around and hugging people as you're leaving and you feel like it's a separation, but also, it's a gratitude that you mentioned that really doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion. So uh, kudos to you, Maddie, because I, I love that fact that uh, you're aware of all of those elements that really identify you as a person and in that uniform. I want to dive into uh, the, the, the whole element of what went through that home run. And I know you touched on it earlier, but I, I love these elements because it really is a culmination of what that moment really was. And you mentioned Clint Hurdle, your first manager as a big leaguer is managing the Pittsburgh pirates. To me, that is like, it's, it's a wow moment. And they, and they appreciated you as a club of what you did as a player. Then you're rounding the bases and Matt Carpenter is the next hitter. He embraces you with a hug. And I, I just want coming back to that dugout, Here's the team leaders in Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright that are hugging you outside the dugout. Can you take us into what that really meant to you? Because these are guys that you respected, I know, but also they made sure that they wanted to make a stamp of approval of how great that moment was for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that was the part, I think probably the, the most emotional part was as you round third and you see, I guess the the enjoyment. And even when I watch it back on the replay and watching the dugout, you know, on the ball in the air and they all turn and the excitement of your teammates that, that, that moment sort of happened, uh, I guess it's probably the most emotional and like you, the gratitude that you feel. And, and maybe the, I, like you said, the stamp of approval that maybe I was, you know, the teammate that I always wanted to be and, and the kind of uh, teammate player, um, ambassador for the organization. When I signed that contract, I took a lot of pride in living up to the amount and the, I guess, the uh, commitment from ownership and front office uh, that they made to me in 2010. Um, I wanted to live up to that contract. And to me, I guess it, it felt almost like, you know what, uh, maybe I did this right. And like you said, Clint Hurdle, um, he, he, you know, he keeps his lineup card and he wrote me a note on the back of the card that day um, and, and sent it over for me to have his, you know, his lineup card from that day. And, um, and like you said, the moment with, with Yachty and, and Wayno, two of, two of my favorite teammates, um, two of my closest friends, uh, two people that, that you go to battle with every day that, you know, their commitment level matches yours. And that when you, when you, play baseball on a day-to-day -day basis and the grind over seven and a half years, um, you, the appreciation and admiration you have for those guys and what they go through to, to be out there every day, um, for them to be uh, there waiting for me. And then Mike, who, who I consider a mentor and somebody that, um, who, as far as a father and a husband and, and, a, and a leader of men, uh, somebody that I admired and looked up to and, and for his emotional uh, attachment to that moment for me. Um, again, those are things that like, you know, you just feel like this, this appreciation that those people, 
I guess, appreciate you and, and that they appreciated their time with you. And that was, that was, I would say probably the, the, when I, when I say that that moment, as far as my career stands out the most, that's probably the relationships and the appreciation and kind of a job well done feeling of when somebody gives you a, a seven-year contract and a $120 million contract, uh, that's a big weight on your shoulders. And that I felt that weight of trying to live up to that contract uh, while I played. And one of my biggest regrets, I think, was is, uh, when I played was is that I didn't have enough fun and enjoy the moment when you see it when you're, when you're done. I guess you, you guys could speak to this as well. Like when you look back, when you're done playing, you say, man, I wish I would have enjoyed it more because I miss those moments uh, so much. And, and at the time, I was really just grinding, which was, I think, what part of what made me uh, the player I was is that, that I was always looking forward to the next at bat, the next moment that I had to keep going, keep pressing, and that I never really enjoyed the moment and soaked it up as much as I as now looking back, I wish I had. You know what? When you go through that uh, line, because you guys had a special uh, home run uh, celebration in the dugout, and then it culminated with a splash of the water in your face. Uh, watching that video back, uh, everyone that's been around you gets emotional as well uh, because of all the the hard work you put into the game of baseball. But then you come back and you're still uh, trying to uh, collect your emotions in what goes on. And Mike Matheny. Uh, kind of pushes you down the dugout a little bit. And why I say that is it, it's almost like a protection of you're, you're having your own moment. Um, what was that moment like? Because you're a family man, Maddie, and, and anyone that's been around you knows that you're a family man. After the game with your wife, Leslie, uh, what was that emotional uh, feeling like? You know, it's, it's a funny story. So we were, I had informed her that, you know, that they weren't bringing me back and, and she's kind of feisty and a little bit competitive and, and a little bit protective of me. And so when I told her, you know, that, that they weren't going to bring me back, uh, she, she was, she was pissed and, you know, she, uh, and so she wasn't even at that game because she didn't think there was any way I was going to play. And even if I did, that it would just kind of be nothing spectacular. And, I remember uh, she was watching it on TV with uh, a friend of ours um, and they were just kind of hanging out at the house, kind of packing up some stuff as the season was winding down. And, you know, we were talking about putting the house on the market in St. Louis and just kind of, she was kind of doing what moms do and, and tidying up and taking care of the moving and all that stuff. So she wasn't at the game. And I remember she, she told Ethan or Jackson, one of my boys to put the game on and, and she said, immediately when you came up to bat, I could tell that something amazing was going to happen. And she said it was weird because there was sevens everywhere. And I don't remember um, exactly all the places that sevens were, but she ran through this list of sevens. And, and in the Bible, seven is, is, has a meaning of completion. And she was like, it was like this weird, she got this feeling something great was going to happen. And so she didn't even get to see it in person, uh, but they enjoyed it at the house on TV and, and, uh, but, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. So, you know, I remember when Mike, you know, when we go down in the tunnel and you just kind of have this moment with uh, a guy, like I said, who's a mentor and a friend and somebody that that means a lot to me. And those are the kind of things, I guess, in baseball um, or any, I guess in any job, probably when your um, boss, so to speak, is 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 expressing his appreciation uh, for the person and not necessarily just uh you know, what you're able to do for them on the field. And, and, you know, and, and I think that that was, that was a special moment for me and a, and a bond that, that Mike and I still have and share. And, and, uh, and so all cool moments, like I said, Leslie wasn't there when I got home that night, I remember we, you know, sat out on the porch and had a glass of wine and just kind of reminisced about, you know, our time in St. Louis and, and all the cool things that we got to see happen and all the kids and, hospital, you know, the, the Homer's for health situation and the relationships you build with those parents and, and basically all that had happened in, in the previous seven and a half years. So, uh, just a really special, um, night in general and, and, and a lot of great moments created, uh, with a lot of great people. You know, it's interesting, Matt, is that that, uh, opportunity there affording you the chance to look back at a storied career, but none of that happens 
if you're not drafted in 98, and then you get the call up to the big leagues with the Rockies uh, in 2004. So let's go to that time in your career and what that was like for you. Who told you you were going to the big leagues? Tell us the story behind that and who you called and your emotions at the time. Yeah, so leading up into that spring, I'd had a really good Arizona Fall League, and uh, I had played really well. I got chosen to go on the USA uh, team um, out of that, kind of a qualifying tournament. So I was I was riding a good wave of momentum uh, and felt like I was in a good spot. I rolled into spring training, and we had some some veteran outfielders, um, and a couple of them were having some some injuries. Uh, Preston and Larry were both uh, nursing some some injuries. Larry Walker and Preston Wilson, and um, so I, I, there was kind of an outfield spot. There was more of a fourth outfielder spot open to compete for in, in spring training, and I'd had a really good camp. Uh, played really well. You know, my statistics were as good as as the other, or better probably than the other guys competing for the job. And I remember Mark probably remembers we were in Fresno, and you know, we were like two days away from, from opening day and, and going to Colorado and everybody's waiting for that suitcase, uh, the Rockies, you know, suitcase, which basically <laughs> made the team. And so every day as you go back to your locker, you're hoping to see the, the Rockies suitcase, which means you need to pack your stuff because you're going to Denver. And I remember we went to Fresno for an exhibition game and uh, basically was told, called into the office and told that they were going to let Renee Reyes uh, he was going to be the fourth outfielder and, and that I was headed to triple a and, you know, just kind of the devastation, I guess, because like I said, it was, it was a day or two away. I remember, you know, I think nowadays they probably allow for a little more time in between exhibitions and opening day, but I'm pretty sure the opening day was just right around the corner and Mark maybe remember better than me, but uh, the letdown of, of not making the team was, was pretty, pretty, pretty big. And um, so we went to triple a, um, six days, I think it was in AAA. I'd gotten off to a pretty good start. And I think uh, Preston ended up going on the DL, but I hadn't heard anything about injuries back then. You know, it wasn't quite as covered. And we were in Memphis and I was hanging out in my hotel room with my roommate and uh, the phone rang in our room. Uh, you know, you still call people from room to room. Then, <laughs> and uh, the manager, uh, he called and, and he said, Hey, uh, he, you're going to, uh, the big leagues. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I'd had him for a couple of years and he had been, he had been, a a, a good, I guess he was, he was a, a big fan of mine. Even when, you know, I was, wasn't the year before in double a, I'd only hit about two fifty, but I hit, I hit the ball really hard. And, and he was always telling people, look, that's the hardest two fifty I've ever seen. And, and, uh, and so he, he told me I was going to the big leagues. And then obviously I got a call from, from Mark Gustafson, uh, not long after that, uh, and basically setting up travel and, and, you know, needed to be there the next day. So I remember kind of jumping up and down with my roommate in our, in our room, Kip Balknight, uh, was his night, was his name. And, um, I remember I immediately called my wife and call, call, no answer, no answer call back, no answer, no answer, call back, no answer, wait a minute, call back, no answer. And so I'm like, man, so I called my parents and I, I called my dad and, and told, told my dad and told my mom and called my brother. And finally my wife calls me back and I, I answer the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, where are you? And she's like, I'm watching the bachelor stop calling me. <laughs> and I'm like, I got called up to the major leagues and I had to tell a bunch of people before I told you because you wouldn't answer the phone. And she was like, oh man, sorry. Yeah. It's a good show though. Fairness yeah, to her. It felt terrible. I think even more so now she looks back on that and the fact that, you know, it's not real. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was Trista Ryan and it is real, but anyway, <laughs> Um, she, she was, yeah, unfortunately I, she was probably the fourth or fifth to find out, but, um, so I flew into Colorado the next day, uh, and early in the morning. And I remember she picked me up from the airport and drove me straight into course field. And I remember kind of coming around the corner on the highway. If you guys, you guys know, you kind of yeah. come around and you, you can see the field. And it was almost like this surreal, like field of dreams moment where you're pulling up to a big league stadium and you're a big league player for the first time. And, all your dreams as a kid and me as a, you know, as a baseball kid growing up around the field with my dad and, and watching all kinds of major league players that he coached and just really my sort of my goal as, 
as, as a person was to make it to the major leagues from the time I can remember, uh, you know, being two to three years old, I always wanted to play in the major leagues. And here was that moment as I pull into course field and, you know, just the, the jitters and the excitement, um, of, of getting a chance to, to, to put on a major league uniform and, and get dressed in a clubhouse with a bunch of great players and, and, and go out there and watch a game. I didn't, I didn't play the first game. Um, I was up to pinch hit. Uh, I think I got to on deck circle and, and didn't get in. And then we flew to St. Louis the next day, which ironically uh, made my major league debut against the Cardinals in, in Bush State, old Bush Stadium. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how that went. Maddie, when you go into uh, Coors Field for the first time, that surreal moment, and, and I, I think this is important for listeners to understand, um, what was that like walking into the locker room and seeing your jersey hung up in your locker? Well, the cool thing is, is that, like I said, I had gotten to know a lot of the guys and, and you guys had treated us really well as young players. And so the comfort level of, of walking into that group of people was pretty high. And, and the Rockies do a good job of getting, or they used to, I don't know if they still do, but they used to have winter development programs where they would bring young players into course field and you would get a chance to work out and become accustomed to the field and accustomed to the town. And um, so th from that, that aspect, you feel a little bit more comfortable than probably you should in that you've been to that field, you know, where the clubhouse is. And, um, but I remember walking in and like you said, like to see that the white uh, uniforms, cause back then that you used to have to wear the crappy black uh, <laughs> yeah. training uni, which I love. I love yeah. the fact that the first time you put a big league uniform on is in the big leagues. Nowadays, you know, they give them these pearly white Cardinal jerseys and, and Rockies jerseys. And I don't know, I don't know what teams do what, but I like the fact that I'd never put on that white home Jersey um, so yeah, you walk into this clubhouse and there's this moment where you're literally shaking, um, because, you know, this moment has arrived in your career that you weren't sure, uh, you know, whatever happened. I mean, I played five and a half years in the minor leagues and had an elbow surgery and had bad seasons and had, you know, struggles. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for me to get there. And to ultimately, you know, that moment when you, when you pull in, you walk in, you're holding your bag, you're shaking and you see your Jersey. And then the welcoming embraces from all the veteran players of, that know what you're going through and know the moment you're having and, and, you know, they come up and, and hug you and, and, you know, and, and all that stuff. And it's just, like I said, it's a kid where you're just like, wow, I mean, I'm in the major leagues. Like if I die right now, I made it. And, you know, it's a, uh, uh, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. I, I guess for me, I can't speak for everyone, but I know for us who love baseball and have a passion for it um, and dream of that as a kid, it's, it's a moment that's really unexplainable. And it's, uh, I kind of feel for the guys this year that are having their moment with no fans. I mean, I, I think that they're missing an element of walking out there and signing autographs and the, the, the buzz of a major league stadium before a game. Uh, I, I hope that they still feel that maybe next year when the fans are back in the stadium. Yeah, it's such a good point. Uh, a signature moment, too, uh, when you really feel like you're a major leaguer is your first hit. Take us through that in, in, in your at-bat. And uh, what was the result? Well, I started off, I think, 0 for 6 or 0 for 7. The first That's two, not good. Yeah, first games in St. Louis, and I was thinking, oh, I better get a hit soon. I'm going back to the minor leagues. Like, this is going to be short-lived. <laughs> you can't just roll out 0 for 6 or 7. Uh, so I remember the third game – um, we were playing, uh, I think Woody Williams was pitching and, um, I think I, I hit a grounder in the hole and Renteria, I think he kind of slid and got it and couldn't make a throw. So it was one of those ones where if you're a veteran player, you know, it's a hit, but as like a first year <laughs> player, you're like, Oh gosh, are they going to give that an air somehow? Like yeah. you're kind of watching to see if they give you a hit just to make sure when in reality, there's nothing else they could have scored it. I think he even caught it, you know, came up to throw and just put it in his pocket. But at the time you're like, man, in the big leagues, they probably give that an air or whatever. Um, so I remember like, Oh, they gave it a hit and just kind of the, they throw the ball in and, and, uh, I, I proceeded to get three hits, thankfully, and felt a little more comfortable about my situation, about getting to stay uh, for at least for a few more days. Um, and so that was that game was was huge for me. I think I hit a double off the wall, and um, you know Woody and I got along well the rest of my career. 
<laughs> but hey, uh, Matt, a couple of days later, you hit your first home run off uh, Jose Lima. Uh, is there a point in this run where it starts to occur to you, um, I'm settling in, I may be just like the other guys in a major leaguer and I'm no longer really a tweener kind of guy? Uh, I think for me, I did not feel secure in my major leaguerness uh, for a while. I, uh, I just, you know, it's one of those things we had, we had really good outfielders and Preston and Larry were both coming off the DL soon. And, and I knew that at some point they were going to have to make a decision because Jeremy Burnitz was having a great season as well. And, and Mark obviously was there to play outfield and first base. And um, so we had a lot of really good offensive players. And so, you know, it's one of those things. I think at one point Clint Hurdle came up and kind of gave me a vote of confidence, basically saying, you know, you're playing really well. You're going to be here. You can go ahead and get an apartment. You can settle in. Um, you can, you know, you're going to be here. And I, I think that that was, that was comforting and allowed me to a little bit of freedom to go out and play uh, a little bit looser. Um, but I think in the back of your mind, I think as a young player, you're always thinking, oh man, you know, if, if I, <laughs> if I don't get, you know, if I don't consistently produce, then, then I'll be headed back to AAA. But <laughs> Um, I, I, I didn't have, I mean, the home run, you know, obviously like you talked about, it was, I remember it was sleeting, uh, kind of rainy, cold, damp, and he threw me a change up and I hit it in the right center in the bullpen. And so that's, that was the first home run. Um, you know, and, and I remember that pretty vividly. When you have guys like, like Sweeney's on the team and you've heard around the game forever, what a wonderful man he is. And obviously we both know that firsthand, Matt, uh, does it make it easier to settle in and get acclimated between Mark and the other guys on that club? Was it a fun environment for you or was it just high stress every day? Am I going to survive? No, I, I think the, like you said, Mark and, and Todd Green uh, really were instrumental. And I've said it in a lot of different platforms and places that those two guys uh, basically said, Hey, we're going to lunch on the, on the road. I think we went to lunch every day, like around 12. Uh, hey, we go to lunch every day. Let's go. I had no idea what red wine tasted like until I met Todd Green. Uh, So he introduced me to red wine. And I remember I was like, I don't know the dip. Like he's, you know, how great this wine is or that wine at these steakhouses they're taking me to. And I was like, man, I don't, it tastes fine. I don't really know the difference, but um, anyways, they, they took really good care of of me and, and, and a lot of the young guys we had, we kind of were transitioning to a little bit more of a younger team about that time. Um, and, and so Todd and, and Mark to this day uh, are, are the two veteran players that I credit to, to, to kind of look up to as what it looks like to be a, a veteran uh, leader. And, and a lot of the, the way that I presented myself and my leadership style late in my career was, was gleaned from Todd and, and Mark and how they treated me like, a, like I was part of the team and that I was one of them. And I think sometimes veteran players, especially in that period of time, uh, treated the, the young guys a little harsh. And, and, you know, and even some of the guys on that team, I felt like looking back, treated me in a way that, that I didn't really want to treat young guys when I got older. Um, so I always appreciated those guys taking care of me. And, and uh, you know, a funny story. I remember we were sitting in the in the neither one. None of the three of us were playing. We were sitting in the dugout and in Colorado, the, the stairs and in, in the clubhouse, the food room were kind of a long trek. And I remember Greeny, uh, he said, Hey, go get, go get Mark and I coffee. And I said, <laughs> okay. So I went upstairs and, and I get two cups of coffee and, and I get come back down. I mean, I'm carrying two like hot cups of coffee slowly up and down these stairs. I come back down. He's like, I mean, you aren't going to put cream or sugar in those. <laughs> okay yep i got it so instead of you know arguing we should have told i just turn and go and i bring back two cups of coffee with with cream and sugar and i remember greeny kind of took it and took a sip and basically just poured them out and then kept watching the game and i was like oh that's cool man I appreciate that. it took me like 15 minutes to, to get all this coffee with cream and sugar perfectly and yeah, I think he was just messing with me. Neither one of them wanted coffee. They just were bored. And, and uh, so I, I remember that. That's, that's one of the, the teammate things that, that I remind Greeny and, and, and Swing Dog about when, uh, when I see him. So um, fun stuff like that. You know, like I said, I learned a lot from those two guys about how to be a veteran player.
It's interesting, Maddie, and uh, thank you for the kind words because you never think of it as you're uh, an example and you're going to go out there and make an impact on somebody. But as a player, you do identify the people that care the most Mm -hmm. about the game of baseball. And that's the reason why, in my lens, I looked at Matt Holliday and said, you know what, not only is he going to be a good player, he's going to pay it forward. And I think that is so important in the game of baseball. And sometimes it's minimized in this day and age, which I think is, is probably the sad part of the game. Um, Maddie, an interesting aspect as a, as you're a rookie player is your rookie baseball card. And that's a cool moment. You said you grew up in a, in a family of baseball, your dad, a a collegiate coach for so long. Um, so baseball and those elements have an importance. What kind of importance did that rookie card have for you? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little bit younger than you guys, so I was kind of like the 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 real moment for me was like when I had a real video game character. Oh, cool! Like, oh, I know I've made it now. I'm on MLB the Show. Like, I can't wait to get home when this game comes out, and I'm on the Rockies, and I'm gonna hit with myself, and it's gonna be awesome. I hope they got the likeness right. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> check the the power numbers and all those things to make sure that. So that was that was kind of the biggest thing for me. Uh, I think my dad was probably uh, his era, and I think he collected. I think my grandmother threw away a fortune worth of his old baseball cards. So I think when he got, I think he still collects my baseball cards. Like I think he still is make, trying to make sure he has every one that I ever had made. But I think his excitement for my first baseball card probably surpassed anything that I had. Um, but you know, like back then it was like, which one's the first one, you know, like all these different cards companies were making them. And, um, but yeah, I remember, uh, I still see those cards cause people send me, you know, the, the cards to sign still, and I open them up and it kind of takes you down memory lane, like the first card and, and the first rookie card. And I had the, the little tops rookie, uh, with the little cup on it, the all rookie team back when yeah. tops had that, uh, little gold rookie cup card. Uh, that was probably my favorite card just because I always, uh, as a kid, when I collected cards, I always looked for that. The rookie, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but um, Topps Rookie. Anyways, uh, that was probably my favorite card that that uh, that had that little gold cup on it, one of my first cards. Um, but yeah, like, so my dad has all these cards and he likes to pull them out and show my kids. So uh, All right, he- so the video game trumps the card. <laughs> so the all-star game has to have some type of significance, no matter whether you're a card guy or a video, card, uh, video game guy. Uh, 06, a couple of years after you break in, your first of seven all-star appearances and three of those with the Rockies. Let's go to, uh, of the seven, what's, which one had the most impact and creates the most vivid memories for you? Well, from a couple different standpoints. So the first one always, like when in 06, I was having a really good year, but you're like, man, you know, I think there's a chance that I can make the all-star game. And, but you never know. I mean, you're never super confident in it until they tell you. But I remember, you know, in 06, when they told me that I, was, I made the all-star team, taking me back to when I was a little kid in the front yard with my brother, we used to play wiffle ball and, and, and the night of the all-star game, we would wait and couldn't wait to see the bats and the, the shoes and, and just kind of all the all-star stuff. And we'd go out in the, in the front yard and pretend like we were in the all-star game. And to, to get Nate, if I would say like as a player, the first all-star game experience probably is right up there with one of my favorite moments as a player. Um, just cause I'd always, you know, make it to the major leagues, but to be an all-star and play in an all-star game and, um, you know, I wanted all my family there and everybody to be part of it. Cause you just don't know. I mean, that could be your only one. And, um, so that, that moment was awesome. Oh seven, I got to hit in the home run derby. I got called the morning of the home run derby and someone had dropped out because of injury. Uh, so they, uh, they said, Hey, do you want to hit in the, in the home run derby? And I was like, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I called my brother who was coming in to the, for the all-star game. I'm like, Hey, I need you to throw told me BP in the home run derby and he's like all right sweet so we uh he got to throw me BP in the home run derby uh, in San Francisco and I did pretty well I think I I I got second or third I think Vladimir Guerrero beat me Um, but I hit some really far ones in that one that was was pretty memorable to 
to have my brother throw to me in, in an all-star game home run derby, that was kind of like he got to wear a uniform and uh, kind of a surreal moment for both of us growing up in a baseball family to be on the all-star home run derby field, kind of like we were in the backyard playing wiffle ball. He's serving them up and, and I'm <laughs> letting them have it. Uh, and, you know, we, I, that was one moment that really stands out from all my all-star experiences. And then the one at, at, at Yankee Stadium in 08, uh, the last one at old Yankee Stadium, uh, I was a starting right fielder and they had a lot of great old players take the field and uh, really cool. I hit a home run in that game. And, and so that one was, was pretty special as well. You think about it, uh, Maddie, those, those moments really identify you. Um, another uh, scenario that comes into your, your career is that you feel like you're going to be in a Rockies uniform your whole time. And, and then you get traded to the Oakland A's. Uh, take us through emotionally what that like uh, getting traded uh, from a, a, a team that you really felt like, hey, I, I want to play my whole career in this uniform. It was a, it was a difficult time for me, uh, both personally with dealing with that and, and kind of professionally trying to figure out how this all works, you know, as, as far as making sure that you optimize your, your opportunity to, to get the most out of your value kind of in your peak years. So trying to learn and understand how all that works in the market and where you fit in the market. And um, so when, when the Rockies made me an offer um, in Oh, after the 07 season, oh, after the 08 season, um, it was the spring training of 08. And, and so when then I played out the 08 season and then going into the 09 off season, um, I knew that there was a chance cause I didn't agree to the extension and, and, uh, and I knew that there was a chance that I would get traded. And, and I knew that I had made a decision basically by turning down a four-year offer. I had bet on myself, uh, that at some point, uh, I would get quite a bit more years and, and, and higher value than what they had offered. And I knew that that was kind of a gamble because what they offered me for four years was, it was a pretty good contract at 18 million a year. It was four years and then a player option at 12 which is life-changing money, more money than I could ever imagine. Um, but under the advice of, of, of my agent and just kind of looking at what the market would, would give and, and who, who I compared to, uh, I gambled and, and decided that, hey, I might get traded and this might happen. But I think until you get traded and you realize that you're going somewhere else, uh, you never really uh, understand, I guess the, the business of baseball kind of punches you in the, in the nose a little bit when, when you get traded. And, and like you said, you always think like I came up with the Rockies 10 years, five years in the minor leagues, five years in the major leagues, felt like I was one of the leaders of the team and kind of moving forward that I would be, uh, you know, more like Todd Helton where I played my whole career in, in Colorado and, and, uh, and that that would be what, how things went. And, uh, I guess I had always held out hope that at some point I would, I would get the five or six year contract offer uh, that I would have stayed for. And, and it just never came. And, and I remember we were in California, uh, we were in Southern California and, and I got a call from Dan O'Dowd's secretary. And, and she says, Hey Matt, do you have a minute to talk to Dan? And I knew at that point that, that I was getting traded. Like GMs don't call you on that day um, just to shoot the breeze. So uh, he comes on, he basically tells me, you know, you've been traded to Oakland, which I knew that they were considering offers from St. Louis and Oakland at the time. I had a, my buddy was a video guy and he was watching, he was getting taped together for guys from the A's and guys from the, the Cardinals to look at for the general manager and the people that were making that decision. So I knew it was either St. Louis or Oakland. Um, turns out, you know, he calls and says, Hey, we traded you to Oakland and, you know, we appreciate everything you did. Pretty, pretty simple, pretty short. Um, and basically that was it. And I hung up the phone and I just told my wife, Hey, I just got traded to Oakland and it's pretty emotional. I, I guess when you realize that, that that run and, and that family feeling that you felt and that you were a big part of that family and that you were going to play your whole career there. And, and that was going to be your role. You're comfortable with who you are on that team you're comfortable playing there. You're comfortable going to the field there. And all of a sudden, all that's thrown out the window. And you're going to a new place with new teammates and a year away from, from, from free agency. So I knew, uh, you know, in knowing Oakland's financial situation, that that was probably just going to be a short rental. And so 
uh, you try to buy in, right? You try to try to be all in with your new team and, and just, but it's hard knowing that you're probably not going to be there a year from now. You're going to be, you know, a free agent and they don't, they didn't, they don't bid on free agents really. So that was a, that was a very difficult time. Of, and then I went to Oakland and kind of got off to a rough start and kind of changed, try to tinker some things in my swing and kind of had to just bag those and go back to who I was and just start lifting my leg high again and just kind of, kind of lost track a little bit of who I was and uh, was starting to get hot, like I was still play really well. And then they traded me to St. Louis before the deadline. So um, it was a, it was kind of a weird year career wise. Uh, like I said, I, I was mentally kind of trying to figure out what, you know, how to handle it and who to, you know, just kind of being on a, like a rental player, you know, it's, 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 you want to buy in, but we weren't very good. And, and a lot of the veteran players that they had brought in thinking that we compete with were hurt. So I was there with a bunch of young guys and, and we were getting our tails whipped and uh, you know, you're kind of waiting to see if you get traded. It was, it was kind of a strange, strange year for me. Uh, Mark's always made the point too, no matter how many times you're traded the business of baseball, it's always difficult on the player. Uh, first one you describe is, is, emotional and a lot of anguish there going from Colorado to Oakland. But then, as you mentioned, you're flipped to St. Louis. Compare the two. Um, relief, also emotional. What was it like? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, we were in New York uh, playing the Yankees and I had known that, that there was a chance, but Billy, uh, Billy Bean was, was very candid with me throughout the process. And at that time uh, I was worth a first and a second round draft if they didn't trade me. So that was valuable to them uh, as a, as a comp, comp A player that they could get two draft picks. So he told me, look, if I don't think, if I don't get what I'm looking for, I'll just keep you and, and take the draft picks. And so at that time, when you're playing on a, on a losing team, you're, you're kind of like, wow, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope, you know, I hope a, a com, you know, contender comes and gets me and, and I can go play some meaningful games here. And um, so I kind of had heard that the Cardinals were interested and, I remember we were in New York and playing the Yankees and I had my family with me and, and uh, uh, we were staying at this hotel that was kind of old and didn't get real good cell, cell reception. So there people were trying to get a hold of me to tell me that I'd been traded to St. Louis that morning and nobody could really get a hold of me. And I flipped on ESPN and there it is, like Cardinals trade for Matt Holiday and then I uh, checked my phone and I called uh, my cousin actually gets through and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You got traded to the Cardinals. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I got to call somebody. So I called my agent. He's like, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of you. Uh, they're trying to get a hold of you. Billy's trying to get a hold of you. Mosellock's trying to, you know, I'm like, well, the phone's not ringing. And finally they start calling the room phone. And, and uh, you know, the next thing you know, we're on a train from Philadelphia or from New York to Philadelphia where the Cardinals were. So I had my family, we, you know, I'm trying to round up as much equipment as I can because my, my equipment's at the, at the field at Yankee Stadium and they want me there to play in Philadelphia that night. So take the train, uh, the train land or gets to the train station in, in Philadelphia. There's a car to take my family to the hotel, takes me to, to, the, to the Philly Stadium. I'm in a whirlwind. I'm just so excited going to play Albert Pujols, uh, calls me he's like hey get you over here you're gonna back behind me tonight like he's he's excited and and I'm excited and I get to the field and there's a press conference and I've got the Cardinals bird on the bat uh jacket on and I'm in the first you know I'm in the same BP group with Albert and you know and and Ryan Ludwig and and Skip and so it just happens really fast, really fast. And so I'm like, I get to the clubhouse. I'm like, I don't have any cleats. I don't have a bat. I don't have batting gloves. I don't have a glove. I don't have anything. All my stuff's in New York. Like it's not going to be there till the next day. So I literally wore like, I wore Todd Wellemeyer's cleats. These Adidas cleats. <laughs> you know, he's the only one who had size 14. So I had this huge pitching toe on these Adidas cleats. I'm a Nike guy. So I'm wearing Adidas cleats. I've got uh, Yachty's, I think I had Yachty's batting gloves, Albert's bat. And I don't remember whose glove I had, some outfielder glove somebody had. So I've got a piece of equipment from like five different guys. Um, and, and I roll out there and batting practice. Mark would know this. So Dave McKay's throwing batting practice to like the A group, like, you know, and Albert. He's so good. And he throws Ched. So he's throwing like, he throws hard, like high force. I'm coming from Mike Gallego who throws lollipops, right? <laughs> Gag is an awesome DP, but it's like, he's just rolling it in there. So 
I remember he's blowing me up. Like, I'm not, I can't get out of the cage. Like, I can't get out of the cage. I'm like popping it straight up. And I'm trying to hit it so far. Like, I'm trying to hit, show these guys, look, you guys got. And so finally, I'm like, start to get it out of the cage a little bit. I want to tell him, hey, can you slow down a little bit? Uh, I'm out of breath. Like, he throws one after the other. Like, I'm like, this is going good. Um, but anyway, I got four hits that night. Uh, it was great. I remember it was, it was really awesome experience. You know, I, I watched Chris Carpenter and, and, and the starting pitchers sit right there. They were into every pitch. And I was like, man, these guys are unbelievable. So that was the, the start of my, my Cardinal experience. And thankfully I got off to a good start. I had a really good two months and, and then they signed me back. Oh, hum, uh, four hits that night, uh, <laughs> added uh, 299 in his career. Uh, Maddie, it, it really has a lot to do with your teammates, right? And um, I want to focus on three of them because uh, one got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame next year, but he, he found out Larry Walker, who you played with. Todd Helton is, is probably one of those fringe guys, in, uh, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer. Uh, but we're going to have to wait for that. Also, you mentioned Albert Pujols, who to me is a no-brainer um, when you think of the Hall of Fame. Those three guys, uh, what did you learn from that type of talent uh, with the three of them? I, I think the first thing that stands out the most would probably be attention to detail in their work. Like just their, uh, I guess, just their focus in their work and their, and their process that led up to the game to me and their intensity and their work was the thing that I wanted to have the most that I learned that when I watched that, that, if you remember, I, I remember Larry, you know, as a minor leaguer, um, I used to, he used to go in the weight room and if the Metallica music was playing super loud and there was things banging around in the weight room, you probably didn't want to go in there. Like yeah. he, he didn't really want you in there and you probably shouldn't be in there. Um, but I remember his just intensity um, and just kind of watching him do his work. Like, I, you remember, I mean, he was, I think people forget, well, maybe he made the Hall of Fame, so they don't forget too much. But in the prime of his career, it was just amazing at every aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. And I remember just kind of watching in awe, like his attention to detail uh, on BP, on defense, and just all the things that he used to, he used to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Todd um, just kind of, like I said, the focus and, and a little bit of the uh, a set obsessiveness of like one hit was not good enough, two hits was not good enough, three hits. If he had three hits, he was getting four. Like just that that constant, never giving it bat away, fouling off pitches, tough out, draws a walk. You know, just always grinding every at bat, no matter what the score was, no matter if he was two for four, three for four, four for four, he was grinding in that fifth at bat. And that was something I took from him or I tried to and put in my game was just always never, never being good enough. Like just keep fighting. And, and, um, and then Albert, you know, it just, again, like his, the way he worked off the tee and then his, his, how he looked at his swing and, and just kind of how he watched pitchers and the, you know, just what he was looking for. He was, he was way better at sitting pitches than, than anybody I'd ever been around. And I wasn't good at that. Like he would, he would get into counts and be sold out to breaking balls or split fingers or changeups, And he would just sit those pitches. And when he got them, he would hammer them. And I, I, I had to stay on the fastball. Like he, mm -hmm. he could somehow sit pitches better than anybody I had ever. And he, he could spot tips and he, you know, he was just a, he just saw the game uh, at kind of a different level, I think than everybody else. And even on defense, he was willing to risk throws, uh, in his prime and, and make plays with him and Yachty picking guys off. He just had this innate awareness of what was happening and what the pitcher was thinking and where to throw the ball and what it, it, he just had this, this way that, that, uh, that just made you kind of watch and awe. And, and those, those are kind of some of the things that stick out for those three guys for me. Maddie, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So bottom of the ninth uh, guy on third base and you, you need to knock that run in. Who are you out of the three taking first? Uh, I think Albert in his prime, I, I mean, he just cleaned up every RBI. I mean, he just, it was incredible. Like in every big situation, I felt like he was getting a hit. And, and obviously the other two guys are um, amazing. And, and mm -hmm. I probably played with, I think I played with Albert for three years. I played with Todd for five and Larry just for 
for four months. So I'm probably a little bit biased in, in, in Albert over Larry, just in the fact that I've, I've watched it so many more times, batting fourth and he's batting third. But, you know, Todd, Todd too. I mean, you're talking about two guys that don't strike out. So they, they very rarely strike out. Um, and they, like in those, that run for Albert, I mean, it just, I, like one for three was a terrible game for him. Like he just was upset with a one for three. Like the guy was getting two hits a night and it just, it was amazing. It was amazing to watch. But you and those Cardinal teams, well, they were something to watch for sure all the way around. You had six postseason appearances with the Redbirds. You had nine times in your career that your teams went to the post. Three World Series appearances, you win one. Your greatest postseason memory, personal or team-wise, I know you had a ton of personal success as well. What stands out to you? What's your takeaway? Well, I, I think the, you know, the 07 Rockies, the run that we made in winning 21 out of 22 baseball games in the major leagues, like when you look back at it, like that's super hard to do. Like that's just almost impossible to win 21 out of 22 games. And um, just kind of where we came from and, and the, you know, the young players on that Rockies team that kind of came to the minor leagues together. And, you know, just to get into the game 163 was was a huge challenge. We needed help. We got it. Um, all the things that went into even getting into that one game playoff. And then you have this ultimate uh, dramatic 163 game that has everything you could ever think of in it. Uh, and then, you know, the run to the World Series where we sweep two series and in, in right into the to the World Series. And I was fortunate enough to get the NLCS MVP and just kind of the run that that, that was. You know, unfortunately, we had eight days off and the Red Sox waxed us and uh, sent us home. But um, that that run with your buddies, like a lot of those guys is who you came up to the minor leagues with and and uh, you kind of grew up together. That was probably you know, one of the more memorable runs of baseball that I had. The, obviously, the, in 2011, when you win the World Series, uh, to win a World Series, uh, a lot of things has to happen. Uh, we Another season where we were kind of unlikely to even get in to the, to the playoffs, and we needed a, a late surge late in the season just to get in. And then, you know, you have a game five against the Phillies where Chris Carpenter and Roy Halladay are absolutely, it was amazing to watch. And, and we win one to nothing to beat the Phillies, who I think have won 100 games that year. And we're playing, you know, we're going to be a very tough team. Uh, then we go into Milwaukee, which is one of our, you know, big rivals in the Central, and we beat them. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately game six in the World Series is, is, a, is, a, is a, you know, an all-time game. So uh, I consider myself pretty lucky to have been a part of all those postseason games. And, and those two in particular, um, the one in 07 and, and then game six in, in 2011, probably two of the top, I don't know, it's hard to quantify, but two of the top games in the history of baseball, I would say, um, as far as just the drama and, and everything that went into it. So um, that, those kind of things, those stand out probably the most, I'd say, is, is uh, and, and, you know, like I said, I got a chance to play nine postseason. That, that's crazy. Like and most guys, you know, it's just doesn't happen. So three world series and, and, and getting a chance to have a ring and, Awesome. I mean, just can't, you know, appreciate it enough. Maddie, you go back to uh, 2007 with all those moments. Uh, you guys won 22 games in the month of September to get to that game 163. A lot of people talk about it. Um, and quickly, uh, did you touch home plate sliding into home? I mean, what was that like? Because everyone always talks about that. Yeah, I tell people I'm really anxious. I'm excited that the Padres are doing so well so that these fans can kind of move on. <laughs> <laughs> they need to move on. They need to move on from this moment. Uh, my Twitter feed and just just need to move on. Just it's time that they have a really good run. I hope they they do really well this postseason. So they have other things to. to so you're saying on. you didn't touch the plate? Well, I, I think it's it's one of those plays where it, had it, he made a good clean catch and a tag, I think they would have a bigger beef. But when the ball rolls over, the, I mean, McClellan had to make a call based on the fact that. Michael Barrett's running to get the ball. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it was, it was so conclusive as, as maybe the, the Padres uh, fa faithful uh, seem to think it is. So um, whether I did or didn't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it's, you know, that game could have gone in so many directions. There's so many other plays that were, uh, you know, Garrett Atkins's ball should have been a home run and it yeah. wasn't. And, 
Um, you know, just all kinds of things happen. And a 13 inning game like that, I mean, there's tons of plays to point to. But yeah, it's time for the the Padre faithful to to be excited about Fernando Tatis Jr. and Machado and all the amazing things. The new uniforms are sick. Like it's time to focus on something other than that year. It's been 13 years now. I think it's time. Have you considered going into politics? Yeah. (laughs) You are working the gray better than anybody I know. That's perfect. (laughs) You know, if I had to hit my head so hard, I might have had a better answer on whether I did the play. And if I wouldn't have banged my chin, I'd probably have scrambled back and touched the plate. But I think I just kind of barely opened my eyes and looked at Tim McClellan and he's doing this. Yeah. And, you know, again, if Padre Faithful, turn your attention to Tim McClellan. Like, find his Twitter. I don't – probably doesn't have one, but – Maddie, I, Maddie, I know, I, I know. Going through a whole career, I went through my whole career in the days, so uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, listen, after your St. Louis years, you go into a Yankee uniform that had to feel really good. Then you finish up with the Colorado Rockies, which to me is a signature of of how you are as a person. Going back and where it started, this is how I'm going to finish. But uh, it, it really is important of how it's molded you as a person. You've always been a family man, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you grew up in the game of baseball with your dad. Your dad uh, put 40 consecutive years as either a coach or a head coach in college baseball, which is a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, making your father proud was always your driving force, right? So... Um, now it finds you after baseball, you're involved with coaching with your brother. It's a family atmosphere at Oklahoma State University. How important is that uh, for you moving forward? And what is next for Matt Holiday? Well, you know, when you when you retire or you stop playing, I hate to say retire because I'm only 40 years old and I don't feel that old, but I don't like the word retire, but when you stop playing, it's like, it just kind of stops. Right. So the things you've done since you were 18 years old, as far as professional baseball, it kind of just comes to a quick stop. And I think when you're playing, there's days where you're grinding so hard that you can't, you're like, look forward to the time when you don't play anymore and you can kind of just relax and, and, and hang out. But then when it comes, I'm not a very good relax and hang out kind of guy. Like I don't sit well. And we were living in Florida and, and kind of just, um, I wasn't doing much and I thought I have to do something. Uh, I needed to, to be involved with baseball at some capacity and uh, I'd like to be around family. My wife's family still lives in Oklahoma. And, and so we just kind of talked about it. That we were going to move back to Oklahoma and we moved back here and I helped with Jackson's high school team one year. And then Josh had always talked to me about coming on as a volunteer and just quite wasn't sure I was done playing and, and, and wasn't sure what, you know, if if I could, you know, maybe make one more run at at playing another year, uh, which I did with, with, with Colorado. And then, so after that year, we came back to here and, and he, you know, he came at me again with, Hey, you know, you want this job. And um, so I said, yeah, I do. I want to do that. And and what it allows me is as, as a college coach, you have a lot more, you don't have, it's not quite as time consuming. You're mostly here. You don't travel a ton. Um, so it's a really been a good balance for me. Um, I get to coach, uh, I have something to get up in the morning and be excited about helping and trying to help these kids reach their dreams. Um, and I still get a chance to be a dad and I get a chance to go to my kids games and my daughter's stuff. And, and, uh, so it's, it's been a good kind of balance for me. And this is the second year, obviously last year we got cut short after 18 games with, with COVID, uh, but we're back practicing this fall and, and uh, we're in a brand new stadium, which is exciting. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I, I, I'm trying to, I think if I learned anything uh, in the last two or three years is, is really just trying to live in the moment and just be present with my family and be present with the players here and enjoy every moment and, and not get too far ahead with what, what's next and what do I want to do next and just kind of enjoy what I'm doing. And so that's what I've, I've been focused on. And I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've had a lot of fun and I like the kids and it's a cool age. A lot of them are trying to figure out, figure out who they are as people um, trying to figure out. So that from that aspect, the leadership and kind of help them with who they are and away from the field. And um, so that's been, that's been exciting. It's been, it's been good. Uh, um, and so I, I don't know what's next. I mean, I, I've enjoyed this and Leslie and I, like we talked about earlier, Leslie and I, my wife and I, we started a podcast during the, the quarantine um, and, and, uh, and we started, we just kind of did it together and, and through, a, uh, 
PAO ministries. And we just try to get athletes on and talk about their faith and kind of similar type stuff, tell stories about who they are, who they are as people, what they like, what they, you know, and just kind of, it's more like a, you know, it's supposed to be a conversation. And so that's been really cool to, to do, have a project to do with her. And, and uh, it's been a, it's been fun to, to kind of get to interview people and, and kind of see what that's like. And so just, like I said, trying to be a good dad, I got, you know, a 16 year old and a 13 year old, a 10 year old and a seven year old. And as they get older, it gets, I'd say more fun, but at the same time, you start to recognize like, uh, I need to instill a lot of things in them before they leave the house. And I think that that starts to punch you in the gut a little bit as you know, they 16 years old, two years, he's going to be a freshman in college or whatever he wants to do next. Uh, so that's a bit of challenge too. That's, that's something that every day you wake up, uh, trying to be a good dad. Toughest life lesson you've had to teach the kids from your, uh, 30,000 foot view and then right there in their face every day at home. What's been the challenge? You know, I think, um, I think teaching them adversity and how to overcome adversity, um, you know, just, I, I think the responsibility of hard work and, and to earn, um, I don't want them to be, you know, I've, like I said, I've been blessed to have made a good living in baseball. Um, but I was always scared that, that they wouldn't, um, the hard work element. I don't, I never wanted them to be anyone to ever say that they were trust fund babies or whatever they call rich kids. And, and I never wanted, um, that to be, yeah, you know, I, I always wanted to be able to push them and to make them appreciate everything they had. And so um, I, I haven't done it perfectly. Like I said, they're still alive. That's probably my greatest parenting uh, success so far is that they're all still alive. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no pro, uh, but I think uh, to this point we've we've done okay. Um, and and my 16 year old, if He's a really good kid and the other ones are too, but he's the oldest and he's the furthest along. I, I, so I, I can say that uh, he's, he's, he's been, he's been a joy to, to raise to this point. And uh, it's, as you guys know, it's, it's a challenge every day and, and uh, you know, different ages require different challenges and, and how to help and, and try to be a good dad. Well, we wish you the best, man, moving forward and whatever it is you choose to, to pursue podcast career. Be sure to check Matt out uh, with that. He and his lovely wife uh, coaching at Oklahoma State. Who knows what's next down the road, but we do appreciate the time. Thanks so much for checking out Major League Beginnings. If you had as much fun as we did, we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.